Because in union there is strength, and without it, each individual laborer and employee would be helpless. It's a beautiful day at the homestead. Hello, and welcome to Beyond the Tower, an insider's peek into the Omni Homestead. I'm your host, Jesse Bruton. Today, we're speaking to Lynn Swan, Director of Marketing for the Omni Homestead. Lynn has worked here for nearly seven years, but has lived in the area for more than two decades. Over that time, she's conducted extensive research on the history of the region, alongside the Bath County and Virginia Historical Societies. They include stories of this remarkable place and the remarkable people who have spent their time here. Lynn, thank you so much for sharing your time with us today. It's my pleasure, Jesse. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. I came to the homestead, as you said, about seven years ago. I had actually worked at another historic resort in the region. So all in all, I have about 20 years in marketing and public relations for historic resorts. (laughs) That's amazing. What originally captivated your interest about this? There's just something special about a place like the homestead, a place where, you know, it's not a a prefab five-star property. It has history. And, you know, just when you look around at the trees that are here and you know that they've been here for probably more than 100 years, you can't build that. You know, the things that have happened that have made this property so special to so many people, whether they've worked here or visited here, is just incredible to me. So how did you cultivate all of this research and all of this expertise that you have in the history of this area? Well, for anyone who knows me, they know that history is not my strongest suit. (laughs) So over the years, I would hear stories, whether it's you know, seeing something in the Washington Library or in the Tower Suite or just hearing another associate telling a guest or or a fellow associate a story about the history of the place. And I was like, oh, well, that's interesting. And so then a few years ago, when we had our 250th anniversary, I started doing some real research and reading books and going online and calling the historical societies and meeting with them just to kind of really get at what is the true history of this great place. So before you came to the homestead as director of marketing, did you ever have the opportunity to spend time here just as an individual? I didn't get to vacation here, but I did have to come here once for work. And it was sort of a sad thing, but anybody that knows anything about Bath County knows that Sam Sneed was born and raised here. So I actually came to assist his family at the funeral. So to kind of help with the media that came up to do stories on Sam's passing. And Sam Sneed, for people who are not golf enthusiasts, is one of the major names when it comes to golf. Yes, Sam is known as one of the greatest golfers of all time. He's known for his sweet swing. And I did have the pleasure of working with him for a few years before he passed. So I heard that we have a lot of presidential history here at the homestead. We absolutely do. How far back does it go? Did George Washington actually stay here? So we aren't 100% sure, but we do believe that George Washington did sleep here. He certainly visited the area. This resort was founded by Thomas Bullitt and the Lewis brothers who bought the land back in the mid-1700s. And in 1768, after the first hotel was built in 1766, Bullitt and Washington worked together on the Mountain Road Lottery. This was important because the road over the mountain to get here was impassable, except if you were coming by horseback. And so the road was needed to help bring more people to the area because obviously Bullet wanted to support this resort that he was building and give people a way to get here that was easier. 
So while we don't have concrete proof, we don't have a document that says Washington slept here, we're pretty confident that through that partnership, he did. Now, what's funny about this is that in 1771, Thomas Bullitt actually sent a letter to George Washington and some other gentlemen, basically kind of telling them, you're fired because the Mountain Road Lottery wasn't coming to fruition. So in the note, he says, I no longer consider the articles entered into relative to improving the hot springs in Augusta County as binding upon me. Give me leave to say when the articles are executed, I expected you would immediately proceed, as well as to build and improve upon my lands adjoining to the springs, as to advance all the charges attending the same. Your failing to do so are my reasons for taking the measures I now do. I'm happy I wasn't on the receiving <laughs> end of that letter. <laughs> And he signed it, Gentlemen, your most obedient, humble servant, Thomas Bullitt. <laughs> That's a great story. In addition to George Washington, I understand that another one of our founding fathers, Thomas Jefferson, was an early fan of the homestead. Can you elaborate on what drew him to the area? Absolutely. So Thomas Jefferson came in August of 1818. And while it's tucked away in our archives, we actually do have the ledger from when he stayed. No way. And the cost of his stay was $2.12.5. But Jefferson came because he was suffering from rheumatism and he wanted to take the waters. So rheumatism, is that something that nowadays we would consider arthritis, something along those lines? Something very similar to that, yes. And he was, it was recommended that he come here. And he did stay here at the homestead for a few nights and ate his dinner here. And he had this memorandum book that he wrote in. And he wrote to his daughter, Martha, and he said that the homestead and Warm Springs Springs were the finest. They were of the first merit. So he gave us a gold star. <laughs> gold star from a founding father. You can't ask for much more than that. You really can't. And that's why you'll see as you go around the resort, there are so many areas, including the restaurant, named Jefferson's. Makes perfect sense. Now, the homestead has played to more presidents than just those two, though. Yes, we've actually played host to a total of 23 U.S. presidents. Now, they all didn't visit while they were in office, but a lot of them would come to take the waters, to play golf, or just to relax. Woodrow Wilson actually honeymooned here after he married a second wife. But some of the more current presidents that have been here would be Ford, Carter, Reagan, both Bushes, and Clinton. Do you have any particular favorite stories? There are so many favorite stories, but I'm going to kind of go back into the history books a little bit. Um, President McKinley was really fondly remembered. His wife um, was ill, and the people here at the homestead would often comment, and this is what I would read, about how much attention and gentleness he paid to her while they were here. She actually came to take the waters because that would help her condition. But what's interesting, too, is that President McKinley was the first sitting president to play golf. And he did it. He played here on the old course back in 1899. And it was so newsworthy and remarkable that the Boston Evening Record newspaper conducted a survey of their readers to determine the public's views on the dignity and appropriateness of a president playing golf. Believe it or not, the results were evenly split. However, McKinley was not concerned. He said that the game requires study, and I have too many other subjects to study. 
but he was a fan of playing golf and he would actually just sort of like to sit and relax in the shade of one of the trees on the casino lawn and and read books and reports. So if you play golf here on um, the old course, does that mean that you get to literally walk in the footsteps of the president? Absolutely. And that goes for either course, to be honest. Oh. We've had presidents play both courses. Any other great stories? Well, one of my favorites, especially when it comes around to election time, is that President Taft was here campaigning in 1908. And what's really remarkable about that is that Thomas Edison recorded that speech. And to me, I mean, that's just two incredible people from our nation's history meeting and working together here at the homestead, here in Hot Springs, Virginia. I mean, to me, that's just incredible. And with cutting-edge technology at the time. And we would expect no less. I understand that President Roosevelt spent some time here as well. He did. He also came to take the waters. But then he saw a way that the homestead could really help advance something that he felt strongly about. And that was getting nations from around the world to work together. So President Roosevelt and his team came up with the idea of a conference called the United Nations Conference on Food and Agriculture. And they held it right here at the homestead in May and June of 1943. Now, the meeting was really designed by Roosevelt to be a test run, to see if we could get all of these countries from around the world to work together towards a common goal. And in a way, it became the basis for how the United Nations is today. And when that happened, all of our associates had to go through background checks. I mean, there was incredible security, as you can imagine, having world leaders here for a period of about a month. And I'm happy to say that all of our associates passed. Well, and 1943, not only were these world leaders here, but they were here during a time that we were engaged in World War II, so tensions were high. Yes, and that was another part of the challenge was that, you know, while they were here to talk about food and agriculture, could they get along after the war? Could the governments that worked together in the war continue their collaboration in peacetime? There was even some questions among regular American citizens as to whether or not this could work. You know, obviously preserving the peace was the ultimate goal. So this was just one step to help us get a little closer to that. You know, Roosevelt was very aware that Woodrow Wilson had failed in getting the domestic approval he needed for his efforts. So with this conference, Roosevelt really sought to educate the American public about the importance of international foreign policy. And because food is a relatively uncontroversial topic, that was sort of a safe way to test those waters. That's amazing that such a huge international organization has its roots here. It gives you chills when you think about the history that has come through this property. So do you have any stories about ties to the White House that aren't necessarily people who made it to the presidency? We do. We have two. So some of our more recent guests may remember a pastry chef here, uh, Roland Mesnier. He was our executive pastry chef for many years. But then he was whisked away to become the executive pastry chef for the White House. So the Carters stole him away from us. But the other story, and this one is probably my favorite, is that if you remember the movie The Butler that came out a few years ago, that was based on the life of Eugene Allen, who served eight presidents in the White House. 
The story was based on an article, an interview, that Will Haygood of the Washington Post did with Mr. Allen. And while he was interviewing him, he learned that Eugene Allen worked here at the homestead in the dining room before going on to D.C., And as it would happen through the small world that we live in, I had some friends who met Will Haygood at an event in Charleston, West Virginia. And he was telling them about the connection between Eugene Allen and the homestead. And they said, oh, well, you have to talk to Lynn. So they actually got him in touch with me. And it was such a treat to speak to this man and to hear him tell me about Eugene Allen. But what he said has stayed with me since then, and that is that Eugene Allen said that some of the skills that he learned here at the homestead helped him to be successful in the White House. So we have some very special associates here. Any other stories you'd like to share about remarkable associates from here? Well, I do have a funny one. So the Ingalls family was involved with resort. They owned it and led the resort for about 100 years. And so they're very well known in the area. And Faye Ingalls wrote a book, The Valley Road, which is all about hot springs and the homestead. But there's a story in it that I've just found so amusing. You know, when you have a small town, it's very common to have a few last names that stand out because there are just so many of them. That was definitely the case with the Kieser family. And in the book, Faye Ingalls writes, When my father was in charge... He sent for the payroll one day, and after looking at it, accused the chief engineer of padding the rolls. There couldn't be 37 keezers working for us, he said. But the records were right. (laughs) We actually did have 37 keezers in the engineering department at that time, and no one was padding the payroll. So it's stories like that that are just fun, and we still have a lot of keezers that work here today. In fact, in 1991, when we were celebrating our 225th anniversary, our associate services department had a contest, and they asked the employees to list the number of their relatives who had worked here past or present. Katie Kieser, who is the daughter of Don Ryder that you'll meet when we talk about golf, she won. She listed 96 relatives that had worked here. (laughs) Talk about a family affair. Absolutely. Very much so. A few moments ago, you mentioned that Homestead recently celebrated its 250th anniversary. How do you even begin to mark such a significant milestone? I will say it took years of planning, and we had so many great ideas. I mean, how do you mark a 250th anniversary? It's not like there are manuals out there that give guidance on this. So we actually did research on how we could celebrate. At the end of the day, we came down to several initiatives, several ideas that could help us celebrate it with guests throughout the years. For example, at one point we said, oh, we need to have a large gala and really a a big weekend celebration of the 250th. And then someone said, well, but what if there's a longtime guest that can't come that weekend? So we said, you know, you're right. So then we decided we do an afternoon tea every single day at three o'clock. What if we make that an afternoon anniversary celebration? And we all thought, that's a great idea. That way we can celebrate it every day. And so we got our pastry team involved, and they actually came up with a list of different cake flavors for every single day of the year. And they had fun with it. When it was National Carrot Cake Day, we had carrot cake. When it was National Strawberry Day, we had a strawberry-flavored cake. All sorts of things to just really embrace the excitement and idea of this year-long celebration. We also decided that we were going to have fun facts. 
So I started researching fun facts for the entire year. So you came up with not only 365 cake flavors, but 365 fun facts. Yes, but it was actually 366 because it was a leap year. So we couldn't get out of this easily. And so what we decided to do for the fun facts was to divide them up by themes. So each month had a theme. For example, January, all about associates. February, all about presidents. And so on. And that really helped me and all of us that were working on this to kind of fine-tune and and narrow down all of these interesting tidbits that we had learned and, and picked up on over the years. Do you have a particular favorite? I have so many favorites. There was an article in Hotel Monthly, and this was back in 1921. It was a 14-page article, and it was filled with culinary tidbits. The one that stands out to me most, though, is that in 1921, we had our own dairy, of course, and we would milk 90 cows at a time. One side of the barn had Holsteins, and the other side had Guernseys. So if you don't know this... Holsteins are known for the quantity of milk they produce, while the Guernseys are known for their richness. So for guests, we would use a blend of two-third Guernsey and a third Holstein to create our milk. And it had an average of 4.5% butterfat. So that's some rich milk that we were serving. (laughs) The article also has some other interesting facts, such as our poultry farm. We had 6,200 chickens and Those chickens supplied us with 1,500 to 2,000 eggs every day. And they were always carefully packed, and they were given a quarter turn every so often just to make sure the yolks were centered. In addition to the cows that we were milking, we had a total of 250 cows. We had a piggery with 250 pigs, a fold, which is sheep, which we had 300 sheep, and the henery, as I said, of 6,000 sometimes up to 7,000 chickens. And of course, we had gardens and greenhouses where we grew all of the vegetables. So Lynn, you know the homestead better than most. If someone was coming in to spend just a single day here, what is the one thing you insist that they absolutely not miss? That is so difficult to pick just one thing, but I would think the Cascades Gorge hike is probably the not-miss activity that you'd have to do. We have three naturalists on staff that lead this hike, and it's not just the 12 waterfalls that you walk past. It's the flora and fauna and all of the incredible information that these naturalists know and share with the guests and the connections they make. It's just really remarkable, and and you can't do that anywhere else. You can't do that at a big city hotel or really many other resorts. I have not personally done that, but I've heard that it's just breathtaking. You will do that soon. So do you have a favorite secret about Homestead? Something that you wouldn't necessarily learn just by looking at the website? I do. It's about the Chevrolet emblem, the bow tie. Because of course, I'm a marketing person, so I like this story because it has a marketing angle to it. There's conflicting stories of how the bow tie came to be, but one of them has its origins right here at the Homestead. Back in 1912, 1913-ish, William C. Durant, who was the co-founder of Chevrolet was here with his wife, Catherine. And while reading a newspaper in their hotel room, Durant saw a design and he said, 
I think this would be a very good emblem for the Chevrolet. So we like to kind of take credit for that, that Chevrolet, in addition to many other wonderful things, got their start right here at the homestead. An American original. Absolutely. Well, that's all the time that we have for now. Lynn, thank you so much for sharing your insight with us. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you, Jesse. Learn more about Hidden Treasures at the Homestead by listening to our entire podcast series, available in the property details section of theomnihomestead.com. Or you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. For exclusive offers on the Omni Homestead and other Omni hotels and resorts, sign up online for select guests. You'll also receive perks when you stay, like free Wi-Fi and complimentary morning beverage delivery to your room beginning on your second stay. Beyond the Tower is a production of the Omni Homestead Resort in Hot Springs, Virginia. The title music, Welcome to My Homestead, is written and performed by David Hill. Executive production by Lynn Swan, production by Altamira, audio engineering by Echo Dog Productions, and hosted by me, Jesse Bruton. Many thanks to all of our talented guests. For more information about how to book your next stay, visit theomnihomestead.com. Thank you.